0: Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg shoots This is episode 21 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft-eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft. Hard to believe it's only eight weeks away. April 29th will be the start of the NFL draft. I'll tell you what, time flies when you're having fun. And by fun, I mean scouring through all of my notes throughout the season, taking a look at game film one more time, Really going through the roster, studying team needs, scouring through SpotTrack.com, really trying to understand the the salary cap, looking at OverTheCap.com as well, especially trying to figure out some of those compensatory picks. And so I can then immerse myself in all things draft to figure out what players are coming off the board, when, who are going to be the best fits. Uh, And obviously, we still have a lot of unknowns. What's going to happen in free agency? There's some trades that that still could potentially happen. We saw J.J. Watt get released and then picked up by the Arizona Cardinals. We've seen Carson Wentz get traded to the Colts. We've seen Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff swap places in uh, in Detroit and L.A. So a lot of things left to happen. What's going to happen with Sam Darnold? Uh, You know, I think that's a key. Russell Wilson, there's a lot of talk going on right there. And Dak Prescott. Drew Brees hasn't made a decision just yet. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's decided that he is going to come back for another year, restructured that contract a little bit. So, uh, again, a lot up in the air. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot to talk about over the next few weeks. So, I'm going to try to release some podcasts fast and furious as we start approaching the draft here, like I said, in just eight weeks. So, episode 21, we're going to do things uh, a little bit differently now. Um, we're going to spend a little bit of time taking a look at the first round of my mock draft because, again, I mentioned that it is going to change. But I do have a four-round mock draft that I am going to put up on the website over over the weekend and make sure that I have that out to everyone. Um, but – what I want to do after that is really start taking a look at position by position, what we what we really have there with the draft. And so we're going to start with the quarterbacks. We're going to break down not only our, our top five quarterbacks that we all think are probably going to come off the board in round number one, but who's next? Kyle Trask, Davis Mills, uh, potentially Kellen Mond as well. You know Where does Jamie Newman fit into that? And you know that there are going to be at least a couple of quarterbacks taken in round six, six and seven beyond that, that group. And so who are those guys going to be? Who do we really need to watch out for? So we'll be taking a look at that here uh, towards the end of the podcast as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into uh, my current mock draft and really what things look like. Uh, And really what I want to try to do is just point out mostly the differences more than anything else with uh, my prior mock drafts. So when we look at the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one overall, we know that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy. Uh, We'll be talking about him when I break down the quarterbacks here in just a little bit. But, you know, Urban Meyer... Rebuilding process gets his his quarterback. A lot of people think he's a generational talent, and uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see exactly how all of that comes into play. Um, you know, in terms of uh, that that athleticism, the arm strength, but does he see the entire field? We'll get into that discussion in, in just a little bit. Uh, but look, you know, he's a winner, proven winner, a leader off the field. Trevor Lawrence makes perfect sense, face of the franchise. You're getting a high character high character guy and and also a high football IQ. At number two, that's really where the draft begins. And I think everybody's been saying that uh, really since since the end of the season, who's gonna be on the clock with the second overall pick? And the Jets are sitting there having to decide whether or not Sam Darnold's the guy. And that's gonna be the conversation that we're gonna be having Gosh, for uh, up, up until draft day, or at least until they decide to make a move with Sam Darnold, and uh, you know, right now I'm still uh, I have the Jets taking Zach Wilson, but I'm a little uneasy with the pick because when you look at Sam Darnold, he's still a capable quarterback. When you look at Mike LaFleur's uh, West Coast offense, that's designed for Sam Darnold. So the Jets, you could conceivably see them take either a, a receiving option. You know, when you have Devonte Smith and Jamar Chase. Kyle Pitts could potentially be thrown in there as well because he's really like another Travis Kelsey. Um, they could also go offensive line. You know, even if they think that George Fant's going to be the right tackle, they have got Makai Becton at left tackle. You could draft uh, you know Rashawn Slater, five five position versatility there or Panay Sewell. In order to do that though, you probably see them trade down with uh, another quarterback needy team, um, but. You look at sam darnold and the production that he's had you know, he's really struggled mightily um you know this past season through just nine touchdowns with with 11 interceptions completed under 60 percent of his passes in 12 starts battling injuries as well he's in the last year of his rookie deal do, you know do the jets really want to spend money there or do they ultimately pass on him and ultimately say look we're gonna you know even if nothing else you're playing the money game Bring in a new quarterback on a rookie deal. I think Zach Wilson's going to be the guy. Look, at 23, I've got him taking Rashad Bateman, the receiver. You can still get a good receiver there for him. And then at the top of round two, Travis Etienne could potentially be there. Javante Williams, you can get a running back, You know, especially considering Frank Gore uh, is likely to retire. And then after that, you can start targeting offensive linemen. You also need an edge rusher at some point in the draft as well. So I think the, there are a lot of things in play there for uh, Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, just, I think Zach Wilson, there's a lot to be said about bringing in that new quarterback. And with Zach Wilson, kid's got a lot of talent. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here, here in a little bit. Uh, Dolphins still have Devontae Smith going there, number three overall. They need that wide out, and uh, his familiarity with Tua makes a ton of sense. Atlanta, at some point, you're going to move on from Matt Ryan, you know, 36 years of age um, at the start of the season. But he's only missed three games since 2008. Very durable guy, um, under contract for another two seasons. But, you know, when you bring in Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, a new head coach and GM, you know that at some point they're going to want to try to target their own guy. And I think it's different with, with Robert Sala because he's more of a defensive-minded, defensive-minded head coach. Uh, when you have those offensive-minded head coaches, they, they're usually tied to their own quarterback. I think Justin Fields ends up going there to Atlanta. Again, we'll be breaking him down a little bit further here in a little bit. Bengals have to protect Joe Burrow, Panay Sewell. I think that's really a no-brainer at this point. I think people have talked about them potentially going after Kyle Pitts, but look, you gotta protect your investment. You know, if that torn ACL you know doesn't scare you enough. You got to make sure that you get that offensive line short up. Pinay Sewell is one of those guys. You know, he actually has some position versatility. He can play both tackle positions. Can play inside a guard. Look, that's really what what Jonah Williams can do as well. So you've got some bookend tackles and some versatility there. It give, gives you some options. At six, the Eagles. I had them taking Jamar Chase here, but the more I think about it. Kyle Pitts makes a ton of sense. Zach Ertz is likely gone. You still have Dallas Goddard in there, but when you look at Nick Sirianni and the way he runs that off, you know the offense, you know Mo Alley Cox and and uh, Jack Doyle ran that two tight end set quite often there in Indy. I think he brings that to the Eagles. And look, yes, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, they're gone. They're no longer on the roster. They were cut, especially after all of those uh, those injuries in 2020. They're also over the age of 30, so they're kind of on the downswing of their career. And, uh, you know, you bring in a guy like Kyle Pitts, though. You know, he's 6'5, 250 pounds. Look at what Travis Kelsey has done for Patrick Mahomes. You see what he's done, whether it's the regular season, in the playoffs, the Super Bowl. He was his go-to guy. And you know, I, I think that Kyle Pitts can absolutely be that for Jalen Hurts. And you know, it, it's one of those things to me, you can still, because the receiver class is so deep, you can still get playmakers in the second and third round. So day two, keep an eye on the Eagles. Potentially, I think they need a linebacker for sure. So I think you would see them target a linebacker at some point. Baron Browning, I think, has you know, his name in light there in Philly. That makes a ton of sense for me, either you know, Baron Browning or Jamin Davis if Jamin Davis does fall out of out of round number one. And uh, you can also snag a receiver, and really it's going to be take your pick, whoever's going to be available there at the top of round two. Detroit Lions, I have Micah Parsons penciled in here, but I think Jamar Chase makes a ton of sense. You, know, you look at Detroit, and they're going to be without – Well, you know, they're all free agents. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, I think both of those guys command top dollar on the free agent market. I don't think they're gonna be back in Detroit. Danny Amendola could probably be had for you know a reduced rate uh, given his age, so he may be back. I don't know that they bring back Mohamed Sanu either, so you could potentially need an entirely new receiving core. And even if you target a guy like uh, Allen Robinson or Juju Smith-Schuster, I think you have to target a go-to receiver, a guy that can really you know make a huge impact with, with that receiving core. And look, you know, with Jamar Chase, what this guy was able to do um you know with, with uh lsu um you know joe burrow throwing him the football you know he caught 84 passes 1780 yards which is an average of 21.2 yards per reception and 20 touchdowns in 2019 as a sophomore sat out 29 you know 2020 but man this dude is a guy you know he plays physical he's gonna bully you guys out there uh you know you corners um, so he, he he's gonna get physical with you he's gonna create some separation that way as well and then man he's just a load to bring down in the open field so you know i can definitely see him making a nice fit there jared goff's gonna need some guys to throw to makes a ton of sense there spoke on matt Jones. mac jones going to carolina you know this just makes a ton of sense yet you know does he deserve to be the number eight overall pick you know probably not i mean look at daniel jones though he was the guy that, that Dave Gettleman wanted there with the Giants, and they took him at number six overall. Regardless of what everyone was saying, he stuck to his board, and that's something that Matt Rule has definitely shown. He's also a very loyal guy. He trusts guys that he's worked with. You look at like, you know, like Robbie Anderson. Played with him at, at Temple. Now he's there in Carolina. He brings in other guys from Temple, brings in guys from Baylor. And, and, you know, so he's also coached Mac Jones in the Senior Bowl and was really impressed, blown away they need to ultimately move on from Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's kind of that transitional quarterback there for Carolina, and Mac Jones to me just makes a ton of sense here. Uh, you know, I, I think they have to make that move. Denver, still have them taking uh, Caleb Farley. They need a corner, especially now that A.J. Boye has moved on. Uh, that he was released. Uh, Dallas, this is one that's going to be interesting. Let's see what they do in the offseason uh, with free agency. If they end up Pursuing the cornerback position hard. I think this pick ends up becoming Rashawn Slater. You know, they could potentially flirt with, with Micah Parsons because that linebacking court, you know, the, the problem is, is you've got a lot of money already invested in the position. Although, you know, Jalen uh, Smith has struggled mightily and, uh, you know, with this play on the field, Leighton Van Der Esch battled injuries. So, but I think Patrick Sertan, makes the most sense here right now. Um, you need to get a, a corner to pair with Trevon Diggs, especially with Jadobie uh, Awuzie and Jordan Lewis likely leaving in free agency. But again, don't rule out Rashawn Slater. Um, you know, If they get a couple of corners on the roster, then you can ultimately get a guy that can you know ultimately take over for Tyron Smith. Uh, I think he's kind of on borrowed time at this point. This is a guy who had seven consecutive Pro Bowls. And then this past season after a neck injury required surgery to cut it, cut down a season after just two games. And 2020 was actually his fifth consecutive season where he's missed at least four games due to injury. So I, I think, you know, it's only a matter of time before Tyron Smith leaves the leaves the game. And, you know, I think his next stop after that is going to be Canton. Been one of the best and most consistent left tackles when healthy. Um, but you, you look at that line as well. Zach Martin's battled some injuries. Same with Lyle Collins. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things to where when you have a guy that has, that can play all those positions, Rashawn Slater, extremely valuable. you will hear his name called here in just a couple of picks. The Giants, at this point, you know, they, they need a receiver. You know, you look at, at what they have there at the, at the receiving position. Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram, they were, you know, first and third in receiving yards. And, you know, at the same time, they also racked up 16 drops. Um, I, I think Sterling Shepard and, and Golden Tate, other top two receiving targets, a little bit more reliable, but you know, with those guys, that I, I see them as more you know, quick, quicker than fast. They need a guy that's going to be able to stretch the defense, and Jalen Waddle could do just that. 49ers. Look, Jimmy Garoppolo, not going to be the future of, of, of San Francisco. The draft Trey Lance, let him play behind Jimmy Garoppolo for a year or two. People are talking about them potentially trading and moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And unless the Patriots decide that they want to bring back you know, their supposed heir apparent to Tom, Tom Brady, um, you know, I, I think they have to uh, pull the trigger here, go with Trey Lance, and, and let him sit for a year. And uh, then ultimately hand the keys over to him. Chargers... Still have Rashawn Slater sitting here though, um, you know. If he ends up uh, coming off the board to Dallas, I think the Chargers end up going Christian Derisaw out of Virginia Tech. But you know, Slater, look, you know, if you haven't seen the film, you know, of him matching up against Chase Young, he won that matchup you know, as a junior in 2019. Sat out in 2020, but. Look, you know, it's kind of a mic drop moment there, and really put him on the map nationally. He's gonna take over, you know, at that left tackle position. Allow Brian Bellaga to move over to the right side. And look, if you needed to, he could also fill in for, uh, you know, Dan Feeney, Forrest Lamp, a couple of free agent guards. So if you really needed him to, in a pinch to, to fill in a guard, he could do that. At 14, the Vikings. This is gonna be either a defensive defensive end or an offensive lineman. And I'm back and forth between whether or not this is going to be quitty Pay or Elijah Vera Tucker. And at the end of the day, I'm going with Elijah Vera Tucker. And look, I know that the Vikings have invested a lot in their offensive line already. You look at two first round picks. I'm sorry, two second round picks on, on Brian O'Neill in 2020 and then Ezra Cleveland this past year. And then, you know, the first round pick on, on the pivot, uh, Garrett Bradbury in 2019. Riley Reef, is he going to be back? Is he not? Ultimately, you need that left tackle. But look, Dakota Dozier, their left guard, he's also a free agent. Elijah Vera Tucker, look, he was the offensive lineman of the year there for USC in 2019, playing alongside the 18th overall pick in Austin Jackson. Now he, he moves out to left tackle and... Himself, you know, puts on a, a show out there, really, you know, pretty clean for the most part. Struggle with the speed of Kayvon Thibodeau, but I think everybody's gonna struggle with that guy's speed. He's gonna be a first-round pick and probably a top 15 guy at next year's draft. But outside of that, you saw the hands, you saw the physicality, you saw his, his footwork, and you know, I think Vera Tucker, the versatility, playing a tackle, playing a guard, makes a ton of sense there. 15 Patriots, no Jalen Waddle here, so I'm going Micah Parsons. Allow them, you know, with that linebacking core, also a guy that can get, that can put pressure on the quarterback. At 16, J.C. Horn. Get that top, you know, one of the top corners. I think he may actually be the top corner in this draft. Yes, he is a little bit handsy, but he's a big physical dude. He's going to jam you at the line of scrimmage. The ball skills are insane. Allow him to ultimately take over p- for Patrick Peterson, who's a, a free agent for the first time in his career. Patrick Peterson comes back. Then you've got another guy on the opposite side uh, and allow you know, Byron Murphy to really just play out of the slot. Raiders, this could potentially be where Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa co- comes off the board. Um, you know Gus Bradley bringing in uh, the cover three defense. You know JOK is a sideline to sideline player, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage, can rush the passer, drops into coverage as well, makes a ton of sense. But look, that defensive tackle position. My goodness, you know the Raiders were porous against the run. They need that dominant three technique, and you know few players you know play like like Christian Barmore. Um, you know, and in a relatively underwhelming defensive tackle draft class, you know I think that kind of tips the fate, you know, tips the scales in favor of Barmore. Um, and, and look, you know this is a dude. He's only played. In you know 747 snaps according to Pro Football Focus, and yet eight sacks this past season showing the quickness off the ball, uh, speed to power is, is, is ridiculous, collapsing the, the pocket, coming off the edge as well, was virtually unblockable in the CFP National Championship, harassing Justin Fields all game long. And uh, you know, for me, when, when you look at this team and you look at the needs, Barmore I think fits the bill. Jonathan Hankins, Malik Collins, both free agents. Maurice Hurst entering the final year of his deal. Raiders, come on. Go ahead and get your guy here. You can get a linebacker, potentially a free agency, or on day two, get some edge rushers as well to help out Max Crosby. And uh, you know, I think you'll have something cooking there on, on defense. Dolphins at 18, that's where JOK goes. If, if he doesn't go to the Raiders, he's got to go with Miami. Miami could pull the trigger on Najee Harris, but I think you can wait get a running back on on day two whether it's Travis Etienne uh Javante Freeman I'm sorry Javante Williams there there's 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 a move to be made there with the Dolphins I think you can get that linebacker a guy that uh, look they released Kyle Vannoy uh Landon Roberts is a free agent they need another linebacker to pair up with with uh Jerome Baker and look JOK like I said he's undersized but he has that range to play sideline to sideline getting after the quarterback uh, you know, he's one of the more versatile linebackers that you're going to find, and I think that that would be a nice fit there for Brian Flores with that defense. Washington sitting at 19, and Bears sitting at 20. I've got Christian Dariusaw coming off the board number 19, and I got Kadarius Tony coming off the board number 20 to the Bears. Watch this though, because Washington ends up pulling the trigger and, and getting Trent Williams back. Trent Williams, by the way, went to the 49ers, now a free agent. 49ers may or may not bring him back. You know, he ultimately had to be signed, or they traded for him uh, because Joe Staley retired before, uh, really before the draft yeah, last season. And so if Trent Williams comes back to Washington or they target another offensive lineman, then Washington goes receiver here because they need to get some help for, for Terry McLaurin, who's fast, you know, fast becoming one of the best young wideouts Thousand yard season, and Logan Thomas is really developing the, the converted quarterback, developing into one of the more exciting young tight ends in the league. But look, you know, the, the rest of the receivers, you know, it was held up by, you know, I said in the, you know, the last time, you know, scotch tape and bubblegum, you know, having to put in Cam Sims, Steven Sims Jr., and Isaiah Wright uh, because, uh, you know, you lost Kelvin Harmon with the knee injury, and uh, you know, Emmanuel Hall tore his Achilles tendon. Antonio Gandy, Golden, last year's fourth-round pick, battled a hamstring injury, but you know at the offensive tackle position, you know if they don't land Trent Williams, Trent Williams doesn't decide to come back, you know you had Jeron Christian there, he went down to injury, Cornelius Lucas stepped in, he did play well, and then you had Sadiq Charles pop in there as well, so there's still a chance that they may decide let's roll the dice with uh, this trio of guys at that offensive line position, or you can go with the top three. Offensive tackle in Darisaw, and you got some rotational pieces there. Uh, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there in Washington. With Chicago there at twenty, uh, you know I think they need a receiver. They also need the offensive lineman. So Kadarius Tony could take over for the likes of uh, uh, you know of Allen Robinson, who I, I think is going to command top dollars, one of the top receivers in this draft. Um, I, I think the Bears could potentially look at, at Kenny Galladay, try to pry Chris Godwin away from Tampa. We've got marvin jones juju smith schuster and uh you know I, I think at the end of the day even if they end up landing one of those guys Kadarius tony is a guy that's going to offer that versatility for that wideout, out you know for that receiving core that uh, is really lacking a playmaker like tony uh at 21 overall the colts look quiddie pay just feels like an indianapolis colt he's a tough dude rugged guy you know justin houston Denico Watry 15 and a half sacks you know, combined, they're both free agents. you got to get some youth in there at the edge rush position. Justin Houston, I think he's 32 years of age now, um, if I remember off the top of my head. Quidi Pei, look, only two sacks in just four games as a senior, but he racked up 22 pressures. A guy that knows how to get after the quarterback both off the edge and on the inside as well as an interior pass rusher. Makes too much sense there with the Colts, as does Gregory Rousseau with the Titans. You know, He just feels like a, a guy that should be playing – for um, Mike Brable. Uh you look at it, their pass rush, only 19 sacks this past season. Harold Landry had five and a half. And then, you know, really got, got help with uh, the defensive line trio of Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Daquan Jones, and, and Jack Crawford. The latter two um, are now free agents. Jadavion Clowney was brought in, but uh, failed to register a single sack through eight games before he tore his meniscus. And then, look, you know, pro football focus notice. Noted that the Titans also finished 31st in the league and pressure rate was 17.3%. You know, I mean they, they have to address that pass rush. And look, Gregory Rousseau, we know he's still really raw. You know, he played his redshirt freshman season at the U. You know, he's a converted wide receiver, sat out 2020. You can't argue with 15 and a half sacks. That that production is ridiculous. Um, so I think Tennessee makes a ton of sense there. You look at the Jets at 23, I mentioned Rashad Bateman coming off the board here. Look, Jam- you know, Jamison Crowder, definitely a reliable slot guy. Denzel Mims is promising on the outside. You get your number one target with uh, with Rashad Bateman. Look, at the Exos combine, he ran a sub four, 440. It makes a ton of sense to me as a sophomore. You know, he averaged 20.3 yards per reception, went over 12- 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. Big 10 uh, wide receiver of the year during that time. Jets get their receiver; they can move on and transition. Take a look at some other things. Steelers at 24. I think this is where Najee Harris ends up going. Uh, You know, James Connor. Yes, he's the you know the in-state product, the guy that played at at Pitt, battled uh, you know cancer and beat it, and then gets drafted by you know the the NFL franchise there in Pittsburgh. Plays for the Steelers, but. I think his time is done in Pittsburgh. And, and you know, yes, they could use a, you know, an outside linebacker. They could potentially use some offensive line help. Um, at the end of the day, I think you go running back, you get the best all-around running back in the draft in Najee Harris. Look, this was the first time that they were going to draft a running back since they drafted Rashard Mendenhall out of Illinois with the 23rd overall pick in 2008. Um, and, look, Najee Harris – He's got the the contact balance between the tackles, the speed and athleticism on the perimeter. And look, he'll even jump over you. Just look at what he did to Nick McLeod there uh, against Notre Dame. Soft hands in the passing game, understands pass protection as well. Makes a ton of sense to me. Jaguar sitting there at 25. Urban Meyer needs a playmaker on the back end of this defense. I'm looking at uh, Travon Merrick. I think that just makes, makes a lot of sense. Um... Safety, you always find one or two that comes off the board in round one. I think Merrig, the you know, Jim Thorpe award winner, makes a ton of sense. Very versatile, the guy that can play over the top and in the box against the run. Racked up six interceptions, 20 pass breakups, also totaling over 100 tackles in the past two seasons with the, with the, the Horn Frogs. I think you get, the, get that safety there for the Jags. Then they can focus on you know, defensive line, receiver help, uh, maybe a corner. Offensive line, depending on what happens with Cam Robinson, you know, they've got a ton of picks. So urban Meyer can really start that rebuild process at 26 Cleveland. There are a couple of different different moves that they could do here. And I'm you know, debating what's going to happen. Uh, a lot of Browns fans I've seen on social media, they don't want to see a linebacker taken here. But you know, Zayvon Collins. You know, 6'4, 260, probably going to run a sub 4 5'40 at that size. Very versatile, a guy that can rush the passer, play sideline to sideline, can drop into coverage. Look, four interceptions on the year, including that 96 yard interception return for touchdown. Uh, really a walk off uh, pick six uh, to beat Tulane in overtime. Um, you know, whenever Tulsa needed a big play, they got it out of Zayvon Collins. He ultimately would be joining a linebacking core that right now consists of Sioni Taki, Takitaki and, uh, and Jacob, Jacob Phillips, Mac Wilson, potentially filling in for, for B.J. Goodson, who's a, a free agent. They need a guy that can be that sideline-to-sideline side player, and I think Zayven Collins will be an upgrade over those guys, but they also need to look at that defensive end position. Look, Olivier Vernon had another really nice year there for the Browns, but then you know he ends up rupturing his Achilles, and now he's a free agent as well. What's going to happen with him? You know, he, he did that in Week 17 against the Steelers. He may not be available for the 2021 season. Miles Garrett needs a running mate, and Jalen Phillips is gonna be that guy. You know, he battled injuries at UCLA, uh, considered retirement, but then he gets to the U and showed that, look, this guy, he has the the bend and the, the flexibility coming off the edge, has a good burst excellent hand usage you'll see the you know club and rip you'll see a nice arm over as well and then he does a really good job setting up his moves to the inside uh, interior pass rusher the speed to power excellent hands like I said some power in those hands to really get the guys off balance I, I think that'd be a nice play there for, for Miles Garrett Baltimore yes they need a receiver could this be Terrace Marshall Jr absolutely could it be Rashad Bateman if the Jets pass absolutely um, but I'm looking at that offensive line and Orlando Brown Jr. We know he wants to move and play some, you know, play somewhere where he can play left tackle and not be subject, you know, uh, subjected to having to play right tackle anymore. Got a taste of it um, when Ronnie Stanley went down. Stanley's going to be back, and look, you know, Orlando Brown he, he wants to play left tackle, so there could potentially be a trade that's going to happen. I know because of what Orlando Brown has done uh, as a Pro Bowler. Um, you know, Baltimore could be looking at you know trying to target um, a first round pick in return um, even if they get a couple of day two picks look, Jalen Mayfield is a guy that you can line up at right tackle, he's 6'5", 320 physical, powerful um, in the running game generates a ton of movement, improved his footwork and hand usage and pass protection I think Jalen Mayfield is one of those guys, you know, it's me for a while he felt like he was going to be a day two pick rising up boards for sure Uh, 28, this is where I have Zayvon Collins going off the board now. Uh, When you look at it, um, Alex Anzalone is going to walk in free agency. Quan Alexander may be a cap casualty um, after dealing with the Achilles injury. Uh, So Collins fills in right away. You play him next to Demario Davis. That gives the Saints a lot of versatility. Green Bay sitting at number 29. And I had to think about this one because... You know, Green Bay are they gonna take a receiver the last time they did that was Javon Walker in 2002 and uh, I, I just I don't see it happening uh, this time around um, could they go with the corner look Eric Stokes ran a 4 4 440 um, so it's entirely possible they, they target a guy like Eric Stokes Greg Newsom out of uh, north uh, Northwestern could also be a possibility uh, even tackling the offensive line especially if Lane Lane Taylor leaves in free agency but I'm looking at that linebacker position and uh you know, Nick Bolton, you play him there on the inside. He's one of those chase linebackers that he'll really solidify that line. You get the playmaker there at that linebacker position that the Packers frankly just haven't had in quite some time. And uh, you know, that to me makes a ton of sense. Still have the Bills taking Tevin Jenkins uh, at number thirty. Look, right tackle Darrell Williams, probably leaving in free agency. Could they go Jamin Davis here to pair with with uh, with and Edmonds absolutely keep an eye on the bills they end up either bringing Daryl Williams back or targeting an offensive tackle this will end up being a, a, a linebacker we'll just have to kind of see how it plays out KC could go pass rush you know I think uh, Joseph Osai Carlos Basham Aziz Ojolari all make sense here but uh, that cornerback position you, you saw how valuable that position is especially in that Super Bowl loss against uh, against Tampa Bay Tom Brady being able to take advantage and, uh, you know, look, Bashar Breeland and Javarius Ward are probably going to leave in free agency. Legereus Sneeb was a steal out, out of the fourth round this past year coming out of Louisiana Tech. I'm looking at Greg Newsome here, 6'1, 190, a guy 21 passes defended in three years in Northwestern. Uh, was one of the more underrated guys, finally getting the draft buzz that he deserves. People are kind of catching up to the process here with, with Newsom. I think that'd be a nice fit for, there for the Chiefs. And look, Tampa Bay sitting there at 32. Could this be Travis Etienne to give them uh, uh another running back to pair with Ronald Jones? Should uh Leonard Fournette leave? Absolutely. Um, I, I think this could end up potentially being a, a defensive end like Carlos Basham, um, especially if Dominican Sue leaves. Um, you know, and, and I think it could also be Jamin Davis, especially you know, see what happens there with uh, with Levante David. Could are they gonna be able to pay him uh, and keep him there on the roster? He's the heart and soul of that defense, but you lose him, Jamin Davis out of Kentucky, 6'4, 234, excellent range. Um can play, you know, both against the pass and the run, so he's a three-down backer. Makes a ton of sense, but I'm looking at that that, that outside linebacker position and you know, Shaquille Barrett, probably going to be uh, franchise-tagged again, they'll probably bring him in. Um, you know, I know he wants to get paid, but he wants to stay if he can. Um, I'm looking at JPP as well, Jason Pierre-Paul, another banner year, 9.5 sacks in 2020, pushes him to over 30 in three seasons with the Bucks. but he's now 32 years of age and entering the final year of his deal. How much longer can we expect JPP to be this explosive? Um, you know, even with the, those two guys in the fold, there's really no depth behind him. You target Aziz Ojulari, and if you saw that three sack performance against Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about when I say that this guy is a twitchy athlete and a guy that that bends like nobody's business coming off the edge. And when he flattens out, that acceleration getting to the quarterback is unreal. So Tampa Bay still has a ton of options there, and uh, you know those are some of the things that we're going to have to take a look at as we get into. Uh, you know, into more play uh, in the free agency. So that's my, my current mock draft, which is now going to take us over to the quarterbacks and really take a look at what we're, what we're dealing with here. And so I transition, and uh, my number one quarterback, like everybody else, is Trevor Lawrence. Look, 6'6", 220 pounds. Uh, you know, a guy came in as a freshman, over the job from kelly bryant who ultimately moved to to missouri uh, as a transfer um and look you know the kid was ridiculous you know as, as a freshman s- you know s- completed 65 over 65 percent of his passes 3,280 yards 30 touchdowns four interceptions you know this is a guy he reminds me a lot of, of marcus mariota in that he you was know, a tall kid and, and a long strider but he's a lot faster than you would expect he covers a ton of ground and if you're not careful Suddenly he's running 20, 30, 40, even 70, 60, 70 yards if you're not careful. You know, you watched him at his pro day. They did some scramble drill, you know, at the end of his uh, end of his workout, and he rolls out, sets his feet, throws a 60-yard pass, hits the receiver on the money. Um, you know, a, a guy, the arm talent is unreal, makes all the NFL throws, can throw the ball to the wide side on the line, throw the ball down the field with accuracy. Um, you know, a guy that can fit the ball in the tight windows, throws his receivers open. Um, you know, Yes, you know, Mari Rogers and Cornell Power were running wide open at times, but he was also making sure that he, he was reading the defense and, and, you know, working on those keys, especially when he was targeting Braden, Braden Galloway. He watched those linebackers in safety. If they got sucked up on the play action, he knew they could toss it over the top. But the touch, you know, he was making sure that he was dropping it in so that his receiver didn't have to break stride. Um, you know, the thing that I do worry about with Trevor Lawrence just a little bit is being able to see the entire field. If, if you watch that, that game against Virginia Tech, um, you know, we didn't see Chapman sitting uh, where the tight end came across the field, locked onto the tight end and the corner dropped the ball for a near pick. Uh, ultimately did throw a pick there, um, targeting Brayden Galloway, was third and goal from the eight. Galloway across the back end zone, and and he threw it. And really, Divine Diablo was reading his eyes. Came across the end zone for the pick as well. So you know there aren't too many picks. He just threw 17 in his career compared to the 90 touchdowns. But it's one of those things to where does he see the entire field? Can he come off his initial read too? Because I think that's the other thing. You'll see him freeze the uh, the safety and he'll hold that safety there and then he'll turn and he'll make his throw his receiver winning against that corner and, and he knows that he's able to cut loose with that football um, as he comes back but what happens if that that man's covered you will know, being able to come off that replay play off schedule off script and, and that's something that i think trevor lawrence ultimately needs to develop a little bit more um but i think the talent is absolutely there and he deserves to be that number one overall pick Number two for me is Zach Wilson out of BYU, 6'3", 210. Look, this guy, as a freshman, what was ridiculous. You know, He, he came in, um, you know, played in nine games, just under 66% completion percentage, 12 touchdowns, just three interceptions, threw for just under 1,600 yards. And look, in the Idaho, Idaho Potato Bowl, 18 of 18 for 317 yards and four touchdowns. Absolutely ridiculous everyone wants to beat him up over the 2019 uh film and look he only played in nine games hurt his shoulder and yes he threw for nine touchdowns and i'm sorry 11 touchdowns nine interceptions but you saw what he was able what he was building there as a freshman before injuries and some of the decision making tried to do a little bit too much for byu 2020 though 73 percent completion percentage through for just under 37 hundred yards 33 touchdowns, just three interceptions. And a lot of people beat him up because of the schedule that they got to play. And look, you know, Kalani Sataki tried to bring in and really had a nice schedule set for him. And really, we're going to get to see what BYU was made of. Then COVID-19 hits, teams were now playing within their conference. And so they had to really reshuffle their schedule. And they, they went with the hand that that, that was dealt them. But with Zach Wilson... It's kind of the same thing that you looked at with Josh Allen, um, even you know Patrick Mahomes to a to an extent. When you talk about, uh, you know, we said that with Josh Allen, with hey you know the, the competition that he went up against and he couldn't even complete sixty percent of his passes. You know, he's it's never going to work. You know, he's, he shouldn't be you know even drafted in the top ten. And then Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, he was playing at the time the Big Twelve wasn't even playing defense. You know, yes he has the arm talent but is he really going to be able to to you know to get the job done there you know come on that narrative you know is so old and and, and worn out um i look at zach wilson and i watch what this guy is able to do the pinpoint accuracy you know, he he can put the ball really wherever he wants whether it's the you know, inside shoulder of the receiver you know because the corner's got outside leverage throwing it you know to the outside the back shoulder throws he's throwing the ball on on the move that's, he actually reminds me of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes with what he's able to do. You know, he's, he's playing a little bit of backyard football when he, when, you know, he breaks contain and uh, is outside the whole confines of that offense. And, and look, it works for Patrick Mahomes and it works for Josh Allen because ultimately he's running an offense that is really tailored to him. And we didn't always get to see that with quarterbacks, uh, especially a lot of the athletic quarterbacks. And I'm glad to see that Andy Reid and company are really starting to, to take stride with that. Baker Mayfield struggled a little bit. You know, now he's in an offense that's allowing him to thrive. And so, I think Zach Wilson—you put him in in Mike LaFleur's offense—I think he'll be in good hands. And look, you know, when you talk about him as a leader against Coastal Carolina, look—you know—they he started at his own eight-yard line with 44 seconds to play. And led them all the way down the field that last throw to Dax Milne two yards shy of winning that game um so when you talk about running a two-minute drill you know he was going up against a really solid you know top 25 caliber team there with the Chanticleers and Zach Wilson came two yards from actually being able to lead them down less than a minute to play Um, you know the kids got you know the moxie and you know really what I I think is special that arm talent making all the throws but what he can do on the run, it, it, it's so effortless and it's explosive. And I talk about that, you know, quite a bit. Um, and you know, he, a lot of quarterbacks, very deliberate, the shoulders will square and they'll, they'll go ahead and get the hips around and they'll throw. he does it pretty much all in one motion. It's absolutely ridiculous. He can be running, uh, you know, perpendicular to the you know, parallel to the line of scrimmage, perpendicular to the sideline, and then suddenly turn and throw. To, he still has his eyes down the field, but then turn and throw, shoulders, hips, everything comes out, around, flick of the wrist, and it's a pinpoint accurate throw 50 yards down the field to his receiver. I mean, it's ridiculous in my opinion. I, I've been a, a big Zach Wilson fan since you know day one. Uh, th- this season in terms of, of his draft stock and he just continued to grow Jets no brainer in my opinion Justin Fields look 6'3, 223 out of Ohio State you know the story started out at Georgia transferred to Ohio state been the quarterback there uh, you know the, the last two seasons and uh, look, you know, you look at what he's done at Ohio State. Over 68 percent of his passes completed. 50, uh, over 5,300 yards. 63 touchdowns. Just nine interceptions. You know, this dude. I mean, come on. I mean, what, what's ridiculous um, was the, you know, the pinpoint accuracy. You look at what he did against Indiana in the first quarter. 19 of 19. 300 yards and three touchdowns. Down the stretch, this dude really struggled. Um, you know, because you know. Indiana started getting to him. You know, he was one of six for two interceptions after his first, you know, drive for, for a touchdown on two plays. And it was one of those things to where you saw, you know, Jerome Johnson, uh, the, the defensive tackle with with the diving interception. Jamar Johnson, the safety, uh, you know, was was reading the eyes and he was telegraphing things, holding on to the ball a little bit too long. I think that's you know what he and Zach Wilson they try to create it and do a little bit too much. They hold on to the football trying to create. The difference between them and Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is looking to pull the football and, and take off and run ultimately, you know, trying to get, you know, trying to get some yardage. And it's one of those things too, though, to where, you know, I think all of these guys have to be mindful of what Kyler Murray said. The holes are gonna be there. You're gonna see it, but they're gonna they're they're gonna close up a lot quicker. And I think that's the same thing with a lot of the windows. You're gonna see a lot of the same windows, but they're gonna close up a lot quicker. So making sure that you're making those right decisions. And uh, I think from an accuracy standpoint, no issues with, with Justin Fields. He's bigger, he's got a stronger arm this year. Um, you know, the decision-making though, there are times where it's a little questionable. It's usually when he's under pressure and really playing against ranked opponents. He struggles against ranked opponents. And that's really gonna be his, his biggest issue for me. I can't put him as the number two quarterback when you know you get him against a ranked opponent, you get him in some of the bigger games, and, and Justin Fields struggles. Yes, he had a tremendous game against Clemson in the college football, you know, semifinal, but that was the game they showed the footage on you know, even on the broadcast. He had the, the score up on, on monitors, he knew exactly what he needed to do. I'm targeting Clemson. Then he faces Alabama in the national title game, and man, he was running for his life. You know, and he really struggled in that game as well. Um, I, I like Justin Fields. I think you, know, you pair him with, with Arthur Smith and you allow him to do his thing. You know, he's another physical runner, he's strong in the pocket. Um, I just I, I worry a little bit about you know, the, the decision making at times. Uh, because look, he is so accurate uh, that I think he trusts himself a little bit too much at times. One thing that I forgot to mention about Trevor Lawrence that I think is, is ridiculous is what he's able to do in the red zone. So this is a guy who at one point, if I can find my, my notes here, you know, he, he was just the pinpoint accuracy in the red zone. Um, let see if I can find it. So yeah, red zone. They noted on the on the broadcast uh, when he played against Pittsburgh 58 touchdowns responsible for and just 31 incomplete passes in the red zone in his career at one point. I mean, it, it's unreal what this guy is able to do once you get the ball into the red zone. So as we continue through here, there's just another stat for Trevor Lawrence in, in his favor um, with, with his play. Now, Trey Lance, this is a guy that's, that's really the, the intriguing prospect and look he's 6'4, 226 pounds he's a big kid redshirt sophomore as a freshman a redshirt freshman you know look 66.9 percent of his passes completed over 2700 yards 28 touchdowns no interceptions also ran for 1100 yards on you know, on the ground you know and people are like well you know carson wentz look he's not carson wentz there's no way he's carson wentz you know he's a big physical athlete does a lot of special things with the football the arm talent is there Here's what I worry about: quarterbacks with just one year of experience. We saw that with Mitchell Trubisky. What happened there? Dwayne Haskins. What happened there? You know, that's the thing that, that you're going to run into with Trey Lance. Yes, he had the one game that he came in in 2020. Uh, against Central Arkansas, struggled to get things going, was only a 50%, you know, 50% completion percentage, ended up throwing his first interception in that game as well. Um, I, I can't, I got to give him a pass with that uh, because, look, down the stretch, he was money, throwing the deep ball. I mean, it's effortless with the way this guy throws the, the, the deep ball. The deep ball accuracy, putting the ball on the money to the outside where only his receiver can make a play. Corner has to go through the receiver if he wants to make a play on that football. Um, you know, but uh, again, the issues for me. You know, and and look, you know, I know what what everyone's gonna say. You got to judge this particular player. You can't look at past quarterbacks. But look, I think we said that about Mr. Trubisky. We said that about Dwayne Haskins. And we look at the at a lot of these these quarterbacks, and we say, well, yeah, you know, but it's a different guy. Is it though? I mean, it's one of those things to where you know. There's still it holds some credence there. If you only have that one year under your belt, and especially for him, he's a young guy. Don't throw him the keys to a franchise right away. If I'm Jacksonville, you know, if I'm if I'm the Jets and I'm moving on from Sam Darnold, man, I'm not taking Trey Lance. But I can see the Falcons taking him at four. I could see Carolina taking him at eight. You know, you got Matt Ryan and Teddy Bridgewater, respectively. 49ers, they trade up or they stay with Sam Pat. I think they would take... Trey Lance, as well, because you got Jimmy Garoppolo. Denver, stay away from him. You've got, you, you got Drew Locke. That, that's there. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, really. Uh, he needs a guy that he's going to be able to learn from for a couple of years. Mac Jones, Alabama, 6'3, 214 pounds. And look, this is a guy, you know, the, the NFL's changing, right? You've got a lot of these more mobile guys, guys that can make plays outside the pocket. That's really kind of where the league's going. Mac Jones, he's a bit of a throwback guy. A guy that's not the most athletic, a guy that's gonna be more of your pocket passer, a guy that can manipulate the pocket. And that's one of the things, look, he, he could do that just about as well as these other guys who are much more mobile than him. Uh, in, in Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, and Lance. Um, you know, he can absolutely manipulate the pocket. It reminds me a little bit of Aaron Rodgers with his ability to sidestep the rush, you are know, keeping those eyes down the field, and then you know, stepping up, you know, and, and finding that void. Uh, to be able to get that football out to, to his receivers. Um, you know, Heisen finalist for a reason. 77.4% of his passes completed, 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, four interceptions. And, and look, yes, I, I know Steve Sarkisian's offense. I mean, it was really quarterback friendly, and a lot of receivers were running wide open because of some of the concepts that he was running. Really full defenses, um, you know, a lot of movement. And, you know, defenders ultimately had two guys covering one guy. And then there's Devontae Smith leaking out the backside. It was designed for that. And Mac Jones knew where to go with the football. But if you had any question, you know, about what this guy was able to do from a ball placement standpoint, the accuracy standpoint, the anticipation, he's throwing the ball to his receivers before they got out of their break. And he was allowing these guys, hitting them in stride time and time again, allowing them to make plays after the catch. It was robotic almost because it was just – one after another after another, you saw it again at the Senior Bowl. The preparation that this guy had—that's why Matt Rule fell in love with him. But you watched him, you know, guys getting so close to the sideline, and he's putting the ball on these outs where, look, you know, the the only chance that he could that he could make a play on the football, and that's exactly where that ball was going to be. You think about, you know, people were comparing him to Tom Brady, and, and and a lot of that. Look, you can't compare anyone to Tom Brady, but when you think about the type of player that Tom Brady was as a young guy, as he was continuing to develop, you know, this was someone who, you know, understood where to, you know, not only where to go with the football, understood the defense, knew exactly take what the defense gives me, but you know, I'm going to put the ball where my receivers can make a play and where only they can make a play on the football. And to me, I think Mac Jones has a lot of that. Um, so that's, that's my number five, quarterback and really when you look at you know if we go by the numbers real quick and we talk about quarterbacks um you know the last time we had five quarterbacks come off the board in the first round was 2018 um you know Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen uh Sam Darnold and uh you know Lamar Jackson were taken in that draft Josh Rosen was the fifth um you know but when you look at it you know we have four quarterbacks in 2020 you know, we're going to have five come off the board and we can potentially have five come off the board in the top 10 for the first time ever. Um, so that, that's not going to be too much of a surprise. You look at the draft though, in all but 2018, when you had those five come off the board, you had somebody coming off the board in round number two. I think that we're going to see Kyle Trask come off the board in round three. And, and the reason being with, with that is that, that just, you know, that's the feel that I have. for for Kyle Trask you know there are there's some Mason Rudolph to him just because you know big physical quarterback you know but a guy that um, the arm strength can be questionable at times balls can hang up doesn't always you know uh, make the best decision because of that arm strength or lack thereof Um, you know but look he was a Heisman Trophy finalist for a reason you know fourth in the voting um, just under 69% passing over 4,200 yards 43 touchdowns 8 interceptions Ran a pro-style offense there under Dan Mullen. And he he he's another guy who just knew where to go with the football. And the, the accuracy and the uh, the anticipation, those were things that you saw with him that you had to be impressed with. And look, you know, yes, he had the luxury of throwing to receivers like, you know, Kadarius Toney and uh, and Kyle Pitts, obviously, and Travon Grimes, but the trust that he had. he made throws because he trusted those receivers he put the ball up and my guy's gonna go up and get it i've got alphas on my team i can put the ball where i know they're gonna go up and get the football and they did and being able to put the ball where his receivers can make a play, understanding that Kyle Pitts, yeah, you can put the ball pretty much wherever for him and he's going to make a play on it. You know Kadarius Tony's going to be really sudden in and out of his breaks. I can get rid of the football a little bit quicker, allow him to you know, really get the ball out of my hands before he's out of his break, hit him in stride and allow him to make plays before really the defensive back has a chance to react. Travon Grimes, another big body guy, a guy that I want to get the ball to in the red zone, and somebody that I know is going to need a couple of steps to get up to that head of steam. So, you know, if I'm running, throwing a hitch, I'm throwing, you know, an out, you know, obviously, you know, from a ball placement standpoint, but a guy, you know, if I'm getting vertically, I'm going to allow him to get, get that head of steam, and I'm not going to have him try to break down to, to catch that football. I'm going to make sure that I'm putting it out in front of him, allowing him not, you know, not to half a ba- break stride and uh for me look you know Kyle Pitts got I'm sorry Kyle Trask got beat up in that OU game that loss you know just ill-advised throws under pressure and you really saw that arm strength you know exploited I'm looking at a third round pick uh for Kyle Trask right now I think it makes a ton of sense for him to, to come off the board there after that I think you've got two other guys that, that'll come off the board, probably in that round four range. I'm looking at Davis Mills. Could come off the board in round three. Um, you know, We haven't had uh, two quarterbacks come off the board in round three since 2017. Could potentially happen. There are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. Um, I think Davis Mills could potentially go to the Saints. I think he can go to the Patriots if they don't try to trade up and get either Lance or, or Mac Jones. And look, with Davis Mills, he's a smart guy, went to Stanford. Um, you know, he was the reason why uh, KJ Costello ultimately transferred to Mississippi State, and uh, you know, battled some injuries. We know that, but uh, you know, he's he's got a big arm, you know, very live arm, and a guy that um, you know he would struggle with some accuracy on, on on a few drives, and then next thing you know, he, that rhythm, the rhythm quarterback, and once he got going, once he got into a groove, he was lethal. Down the stretch, if you watch that last game where Stanford played UCLA, it was like he was really hitting his midseason form. And when you think about it, he only played in five games, so it really kind of was midseason at that point, you know, in, in collegiate play. Um, but he and Senior Fajoko, who I have coming off the board in round four, they they were just—I mean, it was pitch and catch. You know, this is a guy that was getting vertical. He'd have a corner tight coverage right on his hip in phase, and he's putting the ball just right out in front of Fajoko where he doesn't have to break stride and I mean the cornerback had no chance he was gonna have to go through the receiver in order to make a play on the football the outs you know throw the ball before he was out of his break you know Davis Mills though you know there, there are some passes at times where uh you know he, they they sail uh you know doesn't always get everything on the football some sometimes that, especially on corner routes balls seem to hang up in the air a little bit um you know I wrote down that he's not a big runner, uh, but at the same time, a guy that can pull the football, take off and run when you need him to. Um, But yeah, only 86 yards on the ground in his career at at Stanford. But he's a guy to me, I think a a team that's looking for a developmental quarterback, a guy that, you know, give him a couple of years, let him play behind an established starter. You know, a team like uh, the, the Saints, if the Patriots do draft. Davis Mills expect them to also bring in a uh, a, a veteran not named Garrett Stidham he's already proven that he's not going to be a uh, a starter get somebody in there who can be a proven starter shoot even bring Cam Newton back and allow him to develop and see what you have with Davis Mills in a couple of years maybe during that time Cam Newton can also resurrect his career after uh, 2020 that he'd probably like to forget Kellen Maughan He's 6'3", 217, um, threw for over 9,600 yards in his career, 30, uh, I'm sorry, 71 touchdowns, 27 interceptions, and he also uh, rushed for over 1,600 yards on the ground. So when you think about it, it's a pretty elite company um, you know, in the SEC, over 9,000 yards passing and uh, 1,600 yards on the ground. Um, you know, Guys like Tim Tebow and Dak Prescott were able to do that um, he's the third quarterback in SEC history to be able to do that so you know he, he's a guy you know, over 40 starts under his belt and the thing with Kellen Mond is he's a frustrating player to watch because you you know the consistency is absolutely ridiculous he'll make a pinpoint accurate throw you know he'll he'll, he'll throw a back shoulder throw to, to Jalen uh, Weidermeyer's tight end uh, or he'll, he'll hit him up the seam He'll read the linebacker and make plays, you know, he'll show some touch. And then the very next throw, you're going to scratch your head and wonder what in the world is he doing? He's not even draftable quarterback. You know, he'll make some poor decisions. You'll watch, you know, uh, you know, there was a back shoulder throw to, to Weitermeyer where just way too much heat on the ball. And I'm like, there's no way, there's no touch to some of those throws. Deep ball accuracy. Yes, he has a big arm. Yes, he can be very accurate. But... Again, the consistency just not there. Tremendous athlete, a guy that you know you let, allow him to play in space. He can make guys miss. He does a good job. You watched him against Auburn. You know he was able to avoid Owen Papo, the linebacker and a defensive end, and ultimately took off. Ends up uh, could have run it for a first down on that play. And instead, he decides he's going to square his shoulders and uh, you know, try to hit a receiver coming back for the football. And the defensive back broke up the ball. You know, and, and ultimately. It wasn't a very accurate throw either. Poor decision, could have just taken off and gotten the first, round, first down and he didn't do that. And again, some of these other quarterbacks, uh, Trevor Lawrence, he doesn't have to go through that whole decision-making process of taking what the defense gives me. Should I pull the ball and run and get the first down or should I go ahead and cut loose and try to make a play, do too much with my arm? And you can, after him, whether it's Wilson or Fields or Lance, um, you know, or really Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, they all want to try to do too much with their arm. And uh, Kellen Mond's a guy, he's a tremendous athlete. And, and look, you know, this past season, um, you it know, was really his, his lowest output on the ground with just 294 yards. Shoot, as, as a junior, he rushed for, for over 500 yards and eight touchdowns. So uh, to me, I, I think, you know, Kellen Mond still has enough to be a fourth round guy but I'm not as excited about him as I, as I was Dak Prescott because I, when I watched Dak Prescott, he absolutely developed um, year over year from his junior season to his senior season um, was his biggest jump of all. And, and that was the thing that I thought was so impressive. He, he, he went from being an athlete who happened to play quarterback to a quarterback who happened to be a great athlete because he was seeing the, the entire field, the pinpoint accuracy with his throwing, um, you know, hitting guys before or throwing the ball before the guys were out of their break um, I don't see that with, with Kellen Mon on a consistent basis though I will say you watch him at the senior bowl um, you know, he, he was just 13 of 25 passing for 173 yards but he also threw for two touchdowns including the 15 yard touchdown that he put between two defenders to Amari Rogers plus he, he ran and, and through for, for uh, a two point conversion. Um, ultimately ends up earning MVP honors, even though it was in a losing effort as his his team lost, you know, the American team lost to the national team 27-24. He was still named the MVP even though he barely completed fifty percent of his passes. And it was because of the plays that he was still able to make. So he's one of those guys he can be a frustrating player to watch and evaluate, but I think you give him a chance and see what he can do after that a lot of question marks Jamie Newman's probably going to be the next quarterback coming off the board maybe in round five but you know he struggled at the senior bowl you could see that he was still knocking the rust off it's kind of hard to really gauge you know exactly who you had uh um, there you know at Wake Forest you know look you know he, he around 60 percent passing you know and really as uh, you know 2019 was his best year um, over 2,800 yards uh, just under 61% passing, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, he does have a good arm, um, decent mobility there in the pocket as well. Um, you know, look, he ran for over you know 500 500 yards and six touchdowns as a junior there for the Demon Deacons. Um, did a you know he and, and his receivers, especially you know Sage Surratt, Scotty Washington, um, you know a lot of the deep balls, putting the ball up, allowing those guys to make plays, and it wasn't just that you know, as they get their releases off the line, whether it was as a, you know, on a slant, on a go route, even as a run running, you know, some of their, their corner routes as well, or post, putting the ball where they can not only you know, catch the ball, not break stride, make plays after the catch. Uh, you know, at, he transfers to Georgia, ultimately due to COVID, decides that he's gonna opt out and enter the draft. You know, if he was gonna opt out, I would've come back for one more year. Look, JT Daniels transfers to Georgia, He would probably have to move on to another program. And that might be part of the reason why he's like, yeah, I'm going to pump the brakes and not come back. But he's one of those guys to where really you have one year to really evaluate him. And that's 2019. You won't be able to bring him in and do some of the individual workouts, you know, teams would like to do, uh, due to COVID. So, you know, this year may not have been the right year for Jamie, Jamie Newman to, uh, to come out. But again, the arm strength, the athleticism, you know, uh, he has some of those tools and so I think you know there will be a team that'll probably take him in round five but he's far from a finished product and a guy that's going to need some time to develop after that you know here's the thing I've named off nine quarterbacks right and when you look at the draft over the last five years you know we've had anywhere from from 10 quarterbacks taken in 2017 to 15 in 2016. Um, two out of the last three drafts, though, we've had 13 quarterbacks taken. I think this is probably going to be on the lower end. I think you'll probably see 11 to 12 quarterbacks ultimately selected. Um, when you're looking at it, I think Ian Book will be a guy that will get drafted. Yes, there are physical limitations from an arm strength perspective. He's only six foot 203, um, but look, makes a ton of really good decisions. You know, in his last two seasons, you know he, he completed... See the uh, 49 touchdowns to just nine interceptions. 64 uh, percent career passer. This is a guy, another guy who knows where to go with the football. Uh, takes what the defense gives him. Uh, vi- excellent vision as a runner. This guy's a pretty good athlete, especially when he gets outside the pocket. Last two seasons, he's rushed for for over a thousand yards between the two seasons. 13 touchdowns, including nine th- this past season. Um, you know, and look, he's elusive in the pocket. You know, does does a good job avoiding defenders. Um, pretty good accuracy. You know, and, and I, I keep looking at my notes, and I keep seeing athletic to to avoid the pressure in the pocket. Um, you know, he'll he'll drop arm angles to a sidearm, to try to get rid of the football and make a play. But you know, he's indecisive at times. Um, holds on to the ball too long. Um, and then some of the accuracy he'll get a get a little funky, especially when he's rolling out, puts the ball behind receivers a little bit too long. Um, and you know, coverage will catch up, holding on to the ball way too long at times, trying to make a play too too often. But I think Ian Book, because of his you know, his veteran play, is gonna get a look at the next level. I think Shane Bouchel out of SMU is another guy that I think will get a look. Uh 6'1, 207. Over 11,000 yards in his career, 87 touchdowns, 32 interceptions. This is a guy uh, doesn't have a big arm, but uh, he's going to try to fit the ball in. Um, you know, you'll see him. Some of the mechanics at times he'll get himself into trouble. Um, have receivers, you know, running wide open, and he'll lead them too much. Not enough, you know, touch on the football there. Uh, you know, a guy though who, uh, you know, back foot hits ball's going to be out. Uh, throws his receivers open Uh, he does stare down his receivers at times which is going to get him into trouble as well Uh, pretty good mobility uh, getting outside the pocket Uh, not much of a runner but again a guy that can manipulate pocket just a little bit to make some plays Um, the guy that I'm highest on uh, in this latest crop uh, is Peyton Ramsey out of Northwestern 6'2 220 pounds transfer from Indiana and look You know, he made Indiana relevant with Tom Allen, uh, really helped develop that program. Michael Penix Jr. was really going to be the guy that's coming in. Transfers to Northwestern, and what does he do? He helps uh, Pat Fitzgerald resurrect that program from a a one-win team a season ago that really struggled at the quarterback position, gave them some stability. Next thing you know, they're playing Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Um, You know, a guy that... You look at the, the touchdown to interception totals and you worry about that a little bit. He does try to force the football a little bit too much. 54 touchdowns, 31 interceptions. Needs a touchdown on that. Um, you know, it's 65% completion percentage. This is a guy who I think has a decent arm, a guy that uh, you know has a really good football IQ. And again, another locker room guy. You know, you saw, again, Indiana able to do what he did there in one year there with Northwestern. Helps to turn that program around. Really gave them a new sense of confidence they had a guy that knew what he was doing under center i think he'd be a nice developmental guy i think he's better than some of the other no- northwestern quarterbacks that we've seen move on you know trevor simeon got some starts there for himself in uh in denver i think peyton ramsey has a chance to stick around felipe franks another interesting cat uh he's 6'6 228 had the injury there in florida in 2019 kyle trask takes over the rest is history And Franks takes over in Arkansas as a grad transfer and had maybe his best season. You know, a guy that, look, you know, 17 touchdowns, just four interceptions. Um, He's a big physical guy, athletic, has a decent arm. Um, I I don't hate Felipe Franks. I think he's the guy that could potentially come off the board in in round number six. Um, You know, he, he, I think he was what? If I remember correctly off the top of my head, I want to say he was like 9 of 15, something like that, for 185 yards and a touchdown somewhere. I don't have the data in front of me, but he had a decent game in the Senior Bowl. You know, he's a developmental guy. Didn't look fantastic uh, throughout the week, but a guy that I think is coming along. You know, I think if you were to talk about him, his first two years of Florida, you know, look, he was uh, completing just 55, 56, 58% of his passes uh, at Florida. Way too many interceptions. You know, 31 touchdowns with 14 interceptions. Then as a you know, in four games in 2019, it looked like he had really turned the corner. You know, yes, he was playing against you know, not every game Florida had at the beginning of the season was going to be against you know, SEC opponents. But still, completed 76 percent of his passes. Um, third for 698 yards. Yes, the the touchdown interception ratio was a concern. Five touchdowns with three interceptions, but. He worked on the accuracy, got that fixed, um, and then you watched him in 2020 cut down on the interceptions. 17 touchdowns, just four interceptions. Um, To me, I I think Felipe Franks, there is some promise there because of his ability to to really develop year over year. And then finally, there's Sam Ellinger. I think Sam Ellinger could end up getting drafted, but I don't think he's gonna be a quarterback at the next level. I see him being a Taysom Hill type of guy. Look, he's 6'3", 230 pounds. He's a physical dude, uh, pretty good athlete. You watch him, at, you know, he's a physical runner. You know, look, he rushed for 1,900 yards and 33 touchdowns. You know, a guy that I think can really, you know, you can pull the ball and run. And when you talk about him, you know, you use words like, man, this guy's a gritty performer. And he's, you know, he's got moxie. He's a, a proven leader. But man, there's no consistency to his game either. There, there, he he'll sit there and he'll hit a receiver or two, but man, there are a lot of missed throws. There are a lot of plays, a lot of you know, a lot of yards, a lot of scores that he, that he left out there on on the field because you know he was sailing sailing passes over receivers. Uh, you know, not enough touch on the football. You know, his mechanics were off. He's stepping to the sideline on some of these throws instead of you know stepping to his target. And ultimately, the ball's sailing on him as well. And then if you watch that that game against OU, Bedlam, you know, a chance to beat OU. And the throw that, that he makes to the wide side of the field, he sails it over his, over his receiver. Trey Brown picks off the pass, and they ultimately lose the game. And uh, or maybe it was Trey Norwood. I think it was one of the trays. But in any event, Sam Ellinger... I just will see him as a quarterback at the next level, a, a good, not great uh, quarterback uh, at the collegiate level. If it were me, if I were Sam Ellinger, I'd take that, that Taysom Hill job, you know, any day of the week. I could run the football, I, you know, have him catch the football, you know, a little bit as well. I think he, he's one of those guys who I think can potentially do that. Look, he caught nine passes for Texas, uh, you know, during his career there with the Longhorns. I think it's something that you would be worth considering for uh, an NFL franchise bringing him in. If that's the case, maybe you don't draft him. Maybe he ends up being uh, you know an undrafted free agent, but a guy that you could potentially you know stash him away on your practice squad, get him get him right as a as a guy that could be one of those utility players, and then you might have something. So those are the quarterbacks that I'm targeting and taking a look at. Kind of gave you my my quarterback rankings, and really I, I got through. The first nine with with Jamie Newman, and then after that it's kind of that hodgepodge. But look, I, I said the Peyton Ramsey is my guy after that, and then uh, I think Felipe Franks, and then as you work after that, you know, from a ranking standpoint, I got to put uh, you know Ian Book and uh, and Sam, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Shane Bouchelle, pretty close there, um, and then after that, that's where I really have to kind of Sam. Sam, I've probably put Brady White out of Memphis. Uh, you know, the future doctor um, ahead of him right now. Um, Zach Zach Smith, a guy that you know has a big arm there for Tulsa, but man, he struggled. Um, you know, throughout the first half of games, and would only come on you know late at the end of the game. He'll end up being an undrafted free agent. May stick around because of that arm talent. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But those are my quarterbacks. Like I said, we're going to take a look at running backs in the next podcast. Um, actually, I, I should say in two podcasts. What I want to try to do is really reach out to the fans a little bit, get more of a fan perspective on the draft. You know, and that's really what that segment's going to be during my next podcast. Is from a fan's perspective, we're going to talk about the NFL draft. So we're going to look at things from a collegiate standpoint. So if you've got a you know, you're a fan of a collegiate program. We're going to talk about it, talk about you know some of those players that are coming out. If you're a fan of an NFL franchise, we're going to take a look at that as well. And really, you know, what are the needs that, that your team has in your opinion? And then who do you want to see them target? And we can kind of have that little bit of a debate. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. So I've got that as a segment that's coming up, and I'm looking forward to doing that. And then we'll release after that a podcast where we're going to break down the running back position. We know who's going to be at the top of that that running back draft class. We know that it's going to be Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. After that, Javante Williams, I think, has separated himself as number three. Then I think you know Michael Carter. And then after that, there's some question marks. I'm a big Ramondre Stevenson fan out of OU. There, there's Trey Sermon. There's Javion Hawkins. There's Kenneth Gamewell. A lot to cover at that running back position. And who knows? I may have another mock draft update for us to talk about. Obviously, you know we, we've got the combine um, that'll be in full swing. You know, a lot of the pro days, be able to take a look at some of the guys that are really impressing. Who ran the ran the nice forty time? Who's hitting the bench press hard? Who are the guys that are showing the explosiveness in the three cone drill? And who are the guys that kind of have that work to do? Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, th- those times and the numbers that they put up it's not going to necessarily affect too much. It's going to ultimately take you back to the game film, trusting what you see. Can I verify the speed out on the field or is it going to take me back to the game film again? You know, And when you think about it, some of the receivers, corners, looking at that speed, it's going to make a huge difference. I still go back to the time when Anquan Bolden ran uh, that 40 time. And I want to say that it was in the four sevens. He was thought about as a potential first-round pick, ultimately drafted in round number three, and we still see what he was able to do. Nu- Nuke Hopkins didn't run the fastest 40-time. Neither did, did Michael Thomas, and you see what they're able to do. So you can't always trust the numbers, but it's still some, one of those things that kind of gives you an idea. Does it match what you see out on the game film as you're watching that? So you know those are going to be some of the things that we'll be talking about as we get closer and closer to the draft. I'm excited. I hope you are as well. This is my favorite time of year. We're getting closer and closer. We're going to talk about trades. We're going to talk about free agency. There's a lot for us to talk about. And uh, yes, more and more mock drafts. And we're also going to play by the numbers again as well. We're going to try to sit there and figure out the number of players coming off the board at each position by round and see if we can figure that out. See if we can place the actual players to the rounds as well. We're going to have some fun with that too. So until next time, we'll be doing this here in a couple of days. I'm going to go ahead and and get another podcast released. But uh, until then, I've been your host, Greg Schutz. This has been the Ready for the Graph podcast, episode 21. Take care, everyone. Until next time, I am out of here.